Welcome to the Ember Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today as we gather together to wrestle with the ways that these ancient texts collide with our everyday lives as 21st century people. Using art, music, and the world around us as our guide, we hope to breathe new life into these texts and that our conversations spark as much curiosity and creativity for you as they do for us. Hi, I'm Jeremy Grafe. I lead Ember Faith Community here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm Allison Spooner, and I'm the pastor at Faith Emmanuel and Hope Presbyterian Churches. Hi, I'm Kelsey Wallace, and I'm a PhD candidate at Drew University. For this season of the podcast, we're taking a look at the book of Jonah. We'll be reading Jonah not as a retelling of historic events, but as an ancient novel, and we'll explore its themes of call, repentance, and God's mercy. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, as my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. Welcome to the podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about Jonah chapter 2. We're going to be talking a good bit about the psalm, the poem that takes up most of this chapter, how deliverance belongs to God and what that might mean, as well as um, Jonah's relationship with God, even in the middle of this crisis. Thanks for tuning in. So is this the same Jonah we had last last week? (laughs) Yeah, that's... Well, that's a good question, right? I mean, last week we have a guy who is given a direct order from God and goes in the exact opposite direction. But, I mean, that that takes nothing. We talked a little bit about how even though he went the wrong way, like he still believed in God's faithfulness and provision. So I'll make an argument that maybe it is the same Jonah. It's just now he's got his own self-interest in mind. He's not maybe is preoccupied with this call that he doesn't want to fulfill that's a really good point his uh his change in situation has now changed his perspective you know it's it's a little more immediate and visceral like hey you should go to seminary or hey you should be like doing this thing to make the world a better place when you're in kind of like the comfort of your own home versus you're in the middle of a potentially mortally dangerous situation 
how do you respond yeah <laughs> i think what you use the word visceral to describe and that to me is the perfect word to use to describe this poetry second section that we have in the second chapter there is oh it fills me with dread just thinking about some of the imagery in this uh, in this poem before we started recording i was talking about this memory i have of the day that i realized i was claustrophobic and um i was with a bunch of friends and we decided to crawl through this drain pipe uh in a line and i was in the middle so i there was no way for me to quickly get out i had to stay behind the person in front of me and i had this moment of panic where i just hit the walls of this concrete uh drain pipe as though i was gonna bust right out of it because that's what i wanted to do in this moment it was just pure and utter unreasonable panic and that is what i hear talking about the roots of the mountains the weeds are wrapped around my head um the deep surrounded me it's just this crushing terrifying uh power that's out of out of his control yeah well last week we talked about you know there's some real differences between jonah the book of the bible versus jonah kind of the children's story version and in the kind of like the cartoon children's story version the belly of the fish is basically a living room yeah Right. Like yeah. he's got all the space in the world. And even if you look at things that were inspired by this, like the Disney version of Pinocchio Ugh. or. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Spoon doesn't I, like that. <laughs> or or like any cartoon where somebody gets swallowed by a large animal, like they're usually just kind of hanging out like with a candle and a recliner, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And they're like making meals and all that. Smiling. And, right. Really yeah. pleased about life. But do we really think, I mean, we we have no way of knowing. And the thing that's reasonably true, there's no light. And maybe it is kind of constricting. And Yeah. And I think there's a, a sense of <laughs> Jonah is at the mercy of what is happening at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think that says something about what who Jonah believes God to be and what he believes God to be capable of. I mean, because, you know, we talked about this being a novel and, and obviously some of this is a little bit outlandish, like he gets swallowed by a giant fish and then he sings this hymn or prays this poetry prayer from inside this fish where he's like, you know, I was stuck, but God, you got me. Thank you. Like, basically. And if I was in the belly of a fish or even in the belly of a ship, I don't know that I would be singing God's praises for rescuing me. If yeah, I was getting digested. Well, it's not the moment that you're gonna like come out with a good freestyle. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're gonna come with what's readily at hand, and like Anne Anne Lamott talks about how there's basically three prayers: help, wow, and thanks. And help, yeah, with multiple exclamation points as a monosyllabic expression of what's really wanted and required is maybe the thing. Yeah, but we're getting a whole lot of thanks. Yeah. I wonder if that also has to do with, I think people rely on on touchstones rather than, um, wait, what did you say, freestyle, <laughs> freestyle <laughs> prayer. Um, and I think about how people use the Lord's Prayer in times of trouble. That's not really 
I mean, that's a prayer that covers the gamut, really. Mm-hmm. But it's also like a life vest. It's a something to hold on to. And I, um, I wonder if this is part of what Joan is doing here. Well, yeah. I mean, when we're under stress, we go to the thing that we know the best. I mean, mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you have like a whole lot of other prayers memorized. If you're in the moment, like you go to the thing that no matter how stressed you are, how scared you are, it comes back and it partially centers you, but it's available to you because you're not um, so locked up that you can't access it. Yeah. So it's probably worth noting that like you this is another indicator that we're talking about something that's essentially a novel, not like a historical moment. Like to understand where this fits in the scope of what's going on in the rest of Jonah, like there has to be a, a main arc that's kind of already understood and established. Most scholars think that likely this portion of poetry was inserted into the story of Jonah um, later, like as it's being edited or you know, the fancy word is redacted and kind of composed and put together that this, this psalm uh, existed before and is woven into this story by the author of this Jonah novel. Um, and it resonates with some of the language in other psalms, especially Psalm 42, which is one of my favorites, and a couple other places where you get that, like, kind of, I'm down in the pit, you know, you, the, it talks about the deep, the waves crashing over top of the character or the psalmist. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's interesting because it doesn't it doesn't totally um, reflect Jonah's situation. It doesn't talk about being in a belly or in a in a fish. Um, but I don't think that that I think that still makes sense within the context of the story because of our conversation about you know grabbing for those touchstones, those things that are close to your heart. Um, it's like he's borrowing other words. Um, that speak to his distress in this moment. Right. I mean, how else do you talk about the experience of being in the belly of a large animal in the depths of the ocean? I mean, even if you could get out, will you be able to swim to the surface? Like it's a very kind of, it's a very desperate kind of moment. So you might as well be buried deep within the earth. Right. I do think it's striking, too, in the end of this chapter that God doesn't speak to Jonah. Like, Jonah is very clearly clearly crying out to God and in, and not just crying out, like, please help me, but giving thanks that he has been helped, that he has been provided for, even if it's not exactly, you know, five-star accommodations. But uh, God doesn't speak back to Jonah. God tells the fish to literally vomit Jonah out onto the dry land. Um, and God does speak again to Jonah, spoiler alert, in the next chapter, but it's only to say what he's already said. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's interesting too, I mean, the, the choice of words, like how incredibly undignified to be vomited out on shore. Like, I, I mean, we, we talk a little about like, what does it mean to be kind of like, um, provided for by God? And it's almost like something out of one of the old um, Monty Python cartoons that Terry Gilliam made. Like, that's how I have always 
envision this passage. So it's there's something kind of like absurd about it, but there's also something that's almost like like in Job when you know Job finally gets angry and addresses God and is like, "Hey, what the hell? Like I didn't deserve any of this. Why is this happening to me?" And God essentially says, "Well, I'm God and and you're not." <laughs> I mean, it's kind of that same thing. Like, you're delivered, but, well, you just got barfed up on land. And it's really visceral, too. Like, it's another one of those places where I'm, like, cringing while we're talking about it. I'm like, ugh, ugh, vomit, gross. Yeah, it's it's humiliating, it's ungraceful, and it's gross. (laughs) All those things mixed together. Like the, the kind of Bible story version, I think you usually see Jonah, and he looks like he's pretty, like, dry he looks like the same guy that was standing on the deck of the ship so like his hair looks okay his robes are okay and the extra special versions the fish just opens its mouth and jonah like walks off his tongue into the (laughs) beach basically right it's smiling especially i think jarring to think of the the vomiting fish um held right next to this really eloquent and moving and visceral poetry section that's like powerful and then we get this comical gross weird fish vomiting (laughs) jonah up on the beach that's the that's jonah in a nutshell (laughs) yeah yeah it really is we've talked a little bit about the function of the poetry section in two but one of the questions that we were Uh, beginning to wrestle with before we began our recording was um is this is this repentance is this repentance is it just a cry for help is it thanksgiving (laughs) as it is well there doesn't really seem to be much of a tone of uh apology in his voice It, it seems like more heavily weighted toward thanksgiving I think there's a realization that his situation is shitty and that he can't get out of it on his own. And I'm still struck kind of by the fact that it's not really repentance. Like, if it was me and I did the opposite of what God explicitly asked me to do and then I ended up in the belly of a fish, I would be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, (laughs) I didn't mean it. Please let me out of the belly of this fish. Please, please, please right now let me out of the belly of this fish. And... Instead, what we're getting is, like, I'm in a bad spot, a bad thing, and I'm, like, I feel like I'm drowning. And the prospect of having to go tell these people that I hate so much to repent lest they be destroyed, and knowing that, God, you're going to redeem them, is so disastrous to me that I can't even bring myself to, like, do it. Now he's in the belly of this fish, and he still believes so strongly that God will redeem him, and in fact already has. It speaks to the faith of Jonah again. Yeah. That keeps coming back, which is weird. But yeah, he's uh, he's not repenting. He's just saying, basically, God, you're my only hope while I'm in this fish. I did this bad thing, and you still are saving me. Yeah, he doesn't even acknowledge that he's done a bad thing. Not yeah. In, yeah. The, in chapter two. No. That's and still I, me being like, I would say I did a bad thing. Right. Well, I, like, I, I want to put that in there. I wonder about that, though, because he it, he's 
Jonah is putting so much of a privilege on like Thanksgiving for kind of the salvation that he's received in this moment. Like, I wonder if that's so foregrounded in his mind at this moment that he can't even think like, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done what I did. Like, mm-hmm. all he can think about is, I can't do this on my own. And I'm so grateful that I have what I have right now. Like, he can't get by that. I wonder, I'm wondering if that's not what the authors in some way intended. Like, he's just so grateful in that moment. You mean grateful to be in the belly of the fish? Rather than drowning. Rather than in, just in the open sea. Horrible death at open sea. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought of that because the belly of a fish sounds so terrible to me. Well, but I think there is some. I, I, I agree with what. That that is a real possibility. I mean, I don't know that there's like. I don't know that most people would say, oh, that's a good way to die. But I think most people would agree drowning is not a way that they would want to go. I mean, that's not a way I would want to go. No, me neither. I don't think I would want to be digested, though. I don't want any of this to happen to me (laughs) on like a visceral level. But I still think it's striking that, that in this moment it's not help me, help me. It's you've got me. Yay. Even knowing that, even more so now, perhaps, Jonah's going to have to account for running away. Hmm. So, given that we seem to agree on the fact that he's not repenting at all in this psalm, song, prayer, poem, um, what does that say about God's action? Well, Well, we talked in the last episode about how God's willingness to redeem even Nineveh is saying something about God's mercy and God's grace. And again, if Jonah's not repentant and he's just happy that he's not drowned, I think that's saying something again about God's mercy and God's grace because God has a willingness to protect and provide for Jonah even when Jonah's not doing what he was told to do. I also... Because I'm struck because Assyria has to repent. You know, like the call is to repentance. And then they do. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Jumping ahead a little. Yeah. Big um, spoiler alert. But Jonah doesn't at any point in the, the entire book. Another spoiler alert. But I don't know. That's, it, it's baffling to me. And uh, I don't know. I think it says something about state of affairs for humanity not just then but now too like i i try to put myself in jonah's shoes and i think okay if someone asked to for me to forgive to go tell basically proclaim to someone that god will forgive them who i who has very very much wronged me who has murdered my kinsmen basically my family members my relatives if someone asked me to do that I would be really, really reluctant. Like, I would probably just say no. <laughs> and so I'm kind of struck by the magnitude of of what Jonah's coming up against, of, like, I imagine what isn't a significant level of internal turmoil, even now, like, even as he's, you know, being yeah. swallowed by this fish. Like... This is a kind of 
forgiveness, a kind of redemption, a kind of justice and mercy so intimately connected that I don't think humanity is really capable of. Like, agreed. It has to be of God. As much as we might hope and strive to enact that on earth, I don't I don't think without God it's possible. Yeah, I think at best we might have aspirations about what we think of as mercy or love or justice. But I think at a certain point, it doesn't take much to start recognizing what our limitations are. And I think it's, it's the threshold for most of us, I think is way less than this person or this group of people that hurt people that you cared for, like killed them. Like it can be something much less than that. Like, Oh, like you insulted a very good friend, so you're dead to me now. Or you let me down on this thing, so it's really hard for me to get past that. Or your theology and my theology don't line up. Or our politics don't line up. I think most of us get to one of those thresholds, which is, I think, way less substantive than what you're suggesting or what Jonah is being asked to do. And, like, we'll find, I'll find ways to be to exclude myself from a situation or want to exclude exclude other people from a situation. Like I, I it's it's mortifying when I think about what the boundaries are of my own ability to forgive or show mercy or extend love to other people. I think Jonah's response also says something about the relationship between God and Jonah that I don't think at any point Jonah has a shadow of doubt that he's going to end up in a better situation than he's in. His poem, the poem gives no indication that he has any, any thought that he is indeed going to perish in this situation. So even though he is not, he's not begging for his life. He's not, well, maybe a little bit begging for his life, but he's not repenting. He's not saying, I shouldn't have done the thing. God, I'm sorry. I'll fix it. And yet, despite the fact that he's not he's not doing it, he he trusts. Um, un- unlike the Ninevites who don't already have a relationship with God, Jonah is in a different place there. Mm-hmm. We've been noticing how much this chapter emphasizes that deliverance belongs to God. In light of that, we invite you to consider the ways you are being delivered, provided for, and nourished in your everyday life. As we work through this text, we want to make sure that we are also in conversation with you, our listeners. So we invite you to reach out to us with questions, comments, And we'll be addressing these as we go on in subsequent podcasts. You can send your questions to emberfaithcommunity at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. The Ember Podcast is a production of Ember Faith Community. Your hosts are Jeremy Grafe, Allison Spooner, and Kelsey Wallace. Music written and performed by Subaltern Project. All rights reserved. 2017.